Digital Leader Talks, and my name is Saku Tihverainen. Today, I have the privilege to talk to Ekpet, the group CEO of Hofstede Insights. Great to have you on board. Hi, Saku. Nice to be here. Great to have you, indeed. Uh, our, our agenda is to talk about future Finland from the point of view of running a company. Um, you lead an international consultancy and project company. Uh, what does the company Hofstede Insights do, in fact? I'd say probably the best way to describe us is as a cultural data analytics and advisory firm. And uh, culture has a big risk of being very stereotypical. And what we try to do is using data analytics and uh, behavioral uh, analytics to understand how, where, and when does culture influence how people interact when they interact with people of a different national origin. That's one. Second, uh, how does it impact the ways an organization functions? So if organizations go international, what needs to change in their corporate culture if they acquire other companies or if teams merge and you need to basically start getting people who have been coded differently from a mental perspective, get them to work together. So we use those analytics to have a rational reflection on what works, what doesn't work, why doesn't it work, and then using facilitation, get people to work better together. Very good. Um, I'm, I'm just recalling briefly my own time at the university, and when I came across with the Hofstede Hofstede studies, uh, you know, it was a it was a very much a revelation uh, for myself. Um, how how strongly you are rooted in the Hofstede studies? Well, I would say you can't get anybody stronger rooted, especially not as an organization. Um, as in 1985, when Hofstede's work became more and more known amongst organizations and requests for commercial services came up, we were actually founded to get this done. So there is a direct link. Um, as an organization, we're actually also the ones that own the commercial rights to all of the work. Um And that also means that because of the data analytics we deploy, we make that body of theoretical knowledge actually a lot more applicable to companies. Because um, culture based on anecdotal evidence is basically like asking a company to risk all its profit on a manager's experience. It's, it's nonsensical. The risk is that if you only go with data, then you lack context. So you need this special combination of contextual awareness, strategic understanding, um, and data analytics to bring a topic as culture or topic like culture um, down to the individual level. And at the same time, again, up onto a corporate level, because if you only train people to become more culturally aware, you're just going to frustrate the hell out of them. If the company doesn't change the way in which it operates, So it's this special combo of diving down to the personal level and then extrapolating that back onto a company level to see what can you do about this? How can you use it and not let it work against you? Because that definitely, it will. Very good. Very interesting. Um, would love to talk more about this. Uh, I think uh, we might touch upon this at, at a later point. But uh, we are now to talk about kind of like... Um, Running, running a business here in here in Finland. Uh, what's your perspective um, that you hold when you, when you operate in a number of countries, consult multinational, multinational and, and national companies in different contexts? How how is it to operate in business in Finland? So I'll give you two perspectives. Uh, first, from a personal perspective, on how has it been to run a company in Finland? Um, I would say in general. And here I often am also asked, for example, by the Dutch embassy to reflect on how does this work in the Netherlands, where I'm originally from. In Finland, it's very easy to get started. Um, also, as a small company, we work with large companies and sometimes even with supranational institutions like the EU. And that means sometimes we get paid two years after the fact. All I need to do in Finland is call the tax office, tell them, hey, this is the situation. Here's the contract. Can I pay my employer taxes a bit later? No problem. All it takes is a Very phone good. call. But it does require you as a business owner to understand that you can do this because 
the Finnish tax office, I actually, I love them. Uh, and that, that might sound weird and I'm not trying to, to kiss their public uh, <laughs> behind. <laughs> there are no depths there. Um, the point is they are super flexible. And this is, I think, one of those nice things in Finland is that sometimes it, it's, it's nice and can be frustrating. Because it very much depends on the person you talk to. In other words, if I get a decision I don't like, I call again, hoping I get somebody else and might get another decision. So it's frustrating if you get a negative decision and then that's where you stop. You don't take that next step of calling. It's like, hey, blah, 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 blah. So I I really like that. Um, And sometimes it can be frustrating. Um, Compare that to the Netherlands, the Dutch tax office and small businesses. I mean... The Dutch tax office is, is very Dutch, meaning very entrepreneurial. It gives the best service to those that pay the most, right. and that's not small small enterprises. So they're totally inadequate, and I can just be very negative about them because I don't live there anymore anyways. Um, so it's good to have a benchmark. And so from a personal perspective, running a business in Finland, it's been quite easy, actually. Um some points for improvement, but I think we'll talk more about that later, uh, specifically when dealing with getting government uh, support and access to TECAS or nowadays Business Finland funding. There, there the story is quite different. But tax office, no problem. Um, operating, no problem. If I look at it from the perspective of a consultant, here I think, again, it depends on what is the size of the company that we yeah. talk about. Um, I'm quite critical about, um, and then this is one of those moments where you reflect, is this coming statement going to bite me? (laughs) Um, I'm quite critical of the Finnish unions. Let's put it this way. I fully agree that unions have a place, um, but the way in which Finnish unions and the Finnish employers interact is basically water and fire. On either side, they don't understand that you are there in both cases for the employee and for those that might potentially become an employee. So I see that the Finnish work environment, especially if we look 20, 30 years in the future, something has got to give. And given that unions don't pay salaries, unions don't actually make the business it's the businesses that make the business and the people in the business. I, th- I see a big, big risk in Finland if Finnish unions do not change their way and move away from the outdated, continuously increased salary levels and switch into a perspective of two things. Number one, how can we make sure that we can employ more people, perhaps at slightly lower salaries, because in the end, whether you earn 3000 4000 or 2000 after taxes, the difference isn't really that big anymore. Um, so that's one, employ, uh, increase the employee size. The second thing is think about how can you get people to work longer? Because in Finland, after you're 50, good luck applying for jobs. So I, I don't think Finnish unions grasp this. I feel that a bit like Finnish HR, which I trust we can talk more about later, they have an identity crisis. They're stuck in the past. They're not looking ahead what is needed in 30 to 40 years from now. Because if you want to change mindsets, you need to start today because it's going to take a generation. Yeah. Very, very good perspective. Um, let's talk more about those themes in a, in a, in a moment's time. Okay. Um, being a, relatively speaking, a newcomer to to Finland uh, yourself. What's your perspective on the numbers of newcomers? The case Finland, well, healthy Finland, uh, needs to sustain uh, the country in the um, in this increasingly growing population. Uh, what's being said is typically you know twenty five to thirty thousand people needed per year, um, and that's a lot of people. And, and, and what I'm seeing personally um, is that the local job market and the ecosystems in place, um, perhaps, you know, with the exceptions of, say, construction industry and, and perhaps, um, you know, uh, the tech industry, but most of the other um, ecosystems uh, or industries, they haven't made it very possible for the newcomers to integrate into the job market. Um, what's your general thoughts on this? 
I think it's like we discussed in the movie you made um, about future Finland. I think it's quite straightforward. It's it's a matter of choices. Um, do people want to pay? Like it, it's a fact that Finland is graying. It's one of the oldest countries in in Europe in terms of of average age. It's a fact that as more people are aging, you need to put more money aside on taking care of them. It's probably a fact that many people um, don't necessarily want to start paying a lot more taxes. And it's also generally considered a fact that there's too few people. So you don't really have a choice. If you want to sustain the current level of welfare state, which already compared to some other Nordic countries, some even Southern European countries, isn't all that good anymore, True. then, yeah, you simply need to make a choice. So you'll need to either make more babies, but it takes 25 years. And it's not the most cost-efficient measure from a national perspective to get people onto the labor market. Or you import people whose costs have already all been paid, meaning education and raising, uh, and you integrate them into the labor market. And, and this is a very clinical perspective, but I do feel sometimes we're not looking at it clinically enough. Yeah, it's true. I'm, I'm sort of constantly amazed at the, um, what do you call them, white-collar jobs often being not very sort of uh, accepting of uh, less than fluent Finnish or, or, or the occasional use of English language. You know, it, 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 it almost seems like there is this kind of like two different uh, realms of, of the job markets uh, kind of like emerging or having emerged, you know, somebody might, might claim that, but I'm not entirely sure of that. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, just kind of like thinking about the numbers, 25 to 30,000 people coming in um, currently all the traditional jobs and job markets, they sort of require very fluent Finnish to be spoken until, you know, one can negotiate one's way into, into the jobs, um, you know, say in economics or, or, or well, HR for that matter, and, you know, outside of multinationals and startups, of course. And I'm, I'm just thinking to myself that, you know, this, this sort of a setting, this puzzle is not going to be ready well, you know, uh, for lack of a better expression, without the Finnish um, job markets just being a lot more readily open, uh, also in expert jobs uh, for people who are not very fluent in, in in Finnish, but still, you know, might be able to to operate and understand and perhaps respond in in English. Uh, just a you know generic point of view from yourself, but how do you see this? Several angles. If people work for a Finnish company on the Finnish domestic market with Finnish clients, I agree, Finnish is needed. But you're not going to learn Suomi in language schools because the way Finnish is taught to non-Finnish natives is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> And then this is me being putting it very, very blunt. It's taught in a way Finns are being taught, but culture plays yeah. a role. People need to want to like the language. People need to develop a passion for the language. I mean, I started studying Finnish when I came into Finland first two years, spent about 20 hours a week studying it. I spoke seven languages at the time. And after one, one and a half years, I was like, well... F this, I'm off. Uh, I'm never going to learn. It doesn't really motivate. And if you really want to educate a lot of the income, incoming um, foreigners, that Finnish is actually quite nice. Then start with creating that emotional and stop with the, the structural approach. Not that it's not needed, but there's a time and there's a place. And again, different cultures learn differently. So a more thorough reflection on language. But language is only one part of the equation. Um, You can learn or you can learn, you can teach people language on the job. Give them something meaningful. And I've been advocating since ever, what, 2009 or 10, I was already discussing this, or it was already being discussed in, in Helsinki. Just go with a dual model, meaning you 
give people a job for three days a week. You sponsor the language courses for two days a week. You have an on-the-job coach that mentors people in Finnish. You pay people less. And this has been like cursing in the church because the moment I mentioned that, I had people from, at that time it was Helsinki City, they were looking at me, but that is racist. You can't pay people less if they do the same job. And I was like, yes, you can, because people don't have the level of finish yeah, yeah. yet. They don't have the relevant network exactly. yet. So from an employer perspective, they are not yet at an equal yeah. level. In you know, pr- productive so, levels. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, so we need to guide people. And that means that if the government is serious about this, sponsor the entrepreneurs that take that risk because it is a risk. If in a small company you hire a person that doesn't function, you basically can be bankrupted within six months. And that's just a small company, let alone the bigger companies. So that that is with regards to the jobs where we're looking at domestic markets, where, of course, it's natural that people either speak Finnish or Swedish, for that matter. Let's not forget the second official language, which a lot of people tend to forget. However, if you go outside, Finland is an export nation. And that means, why would you need language? Because let's put this in perspective. Even when you're Finnish... When you write your gradu, your master thesis, or you graduate from high school, you've got linguists checking your language. So if you're even asking your native population to have their language checked after 18, 20 years of studying, then why on God's earth are we asking foreigners to become native in a language in two, three years? That's just nuts. Yeah. It's insane. And And again, that's... It's, it's perfectly reasonable to expect people, if they want to live here, to learn the language. But there is a time and there is a place and there is a purpose. And I think that if you're claiming to be an international company, you do not need Finnish. If people say we had last week or two weeks back, we had a discussion with the Finnish Communication Association, PROCOM, and um, the chief communication uh, officer of Helsinki City had a very nice example. They were looking for a particular team member. I don't remember the particular function, but she said, why isn't it marketed in English? And the answer is internally, and this is part, again, of my my, um, love-hate relationship with Finnish HR, is yes, it would be too problematic. We need to translate everything. It's like, how about you think a little bit out of the box? Pay that person less. The surplus money that you can pay to, for example, a handicapped person that can't work full-time but can help them to translate the folder names into English or spend some management time on onboarding people and say that Kansio means folder. Kansavelestuminen means internationalization. It is not so difficult. But this is where I have a feeling that because of the complete gridlock in the Finnish employment uh, law situation and that interaction between units, unions and employers, that people think in problems and not in terms of solutions. You can pay a person 4000 mm. a month or not yeah. employ them, meaning you have yeah. a vacancy. You can pay that person 3000 and a handicapped person who doesn't want to work full-time or somebody that is going on pension and doesn't want to work full-time, 1000 so your employer costs stay relatively the same and you give meaning and purpose and fulfillment to many more people than just one person. It's really not that complicated. But if people see obstacles and don't want to look beyond them, then of course there are plenty of obstacles to find. Sometimes I think, however, that the solutions are actually quite simple. Um, but it might be that I'm thinking too simplistically. Yeah, no, it's the whole notion of of you know when to hire the first person and uh, and and such like i think a lot of companies see that as a very drastic decision and 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 of course there's you know i think there's some anecdotal kind of like a uh, discussion going that uh, that it's hard for kind of like a one international uh, orientated person or a background person to join in the company without anyone else when everyone else kind of like being just Finns who've, who've got used to working there and, and etc which is kind of like to me kind of like describing the the the, the mid uh, 20th century scenario with a very stable very uh, kind of like stag, stag, stagnant workplace uh, I mean 
Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's a solid reflection. I mean, I was the first foreigner that was recruited in a Finnish company and I was hired with the sole perspective of internationalizing the company <laughs> that we did. Um, but it was approached from an angle quite open and frank, like, okay, it's going to be adjustment for every, everybody. Yeah. If there's no foreigner present, just speak Finnish. Yeah. I mean, who cares? Uh, the moment a foreigner enters the room might be polite to switch your language. And and this is not, by the way, just a Finnish issue. The same happens all yeah. across the globe. It's just a matter of practice and a, and a company policy, which should basically state that the moment you've got people in a room that don't speak a particular language native to the country they work in, switch to English if that is your company language. The whole administrative part of access to documents and infrastructure, it'll come. It is not, I don't see it as as an issue. I mean, I got my pension papers back in the days in Finnish. I still get them in Finnish. Well, hello, Google Translate. So it, it, it's not just the Finns that need to relax and chill down. It's also the foreigners who can't demand that everything is then overnight addressed to their wishes. It's like, hey, you came to this country, something has got to give. And in this sense, both yeah. parties can give. Makes sense. Because it, because if there is a will, there is a way. It, it's, it's literally, there is nothing that stops a company from switching to translating some stuff to English or to hiring a summer intern to do some of that work. I don't really see the big difficulties and I'm really looking forward to anybody that has an unsurmountable problem. Just give a call and we'll just have a simple solution for it because most of the solution don't need to be yeah, so complicated. You touched upon the role of the unions a little bit. Um, well, you know, again, thinking about the numbers of newcomers needed to the country. Um, what do you think about the Finnish labor market? having to open up and, uh, and and perhaps the unions having to re- reflect their own, own position? I would say first and foremost, get rid of that crappy statement, equal job, equal pay. I'm, I'm very, very adamant about it. Uh, and the reason is, even if people do the same job, if they have a very different personality, they can be a multiplier or they can be somebody that actually brings a team down. So there has to be flexibility in pay levels. And that is not for a union to decide, in my humble opinion, because a union, Finnish unions in particular, do not have any skin in the game. If I reflect on Germany, and I like Germany as an example, because in Germany, the unions are part of the management team. That means they have legal liability. That means you have skin in the game. And just to keep up this stance from outside of any sense of responsibility, payment must go up. Yeah, why are you asking that? Because your union fees are determined on level of salary? So are you an impartial bystander? I don't think so. I really think that this is a quintessential conflict of interest. And therefore, Finnish unions need to reconsider their own stance. Are you really here for the Finnish labor market or are you here for your own pockets? Because increasing salaries basically does one thing. It creates a split in the labor market. Those that have jobs with high salaries and those who do not have jobs. And that is something that is not not tenable. It's not sustainable. Do unions have a place? Yes, definitely, because you do need a counteract, but there has to be skin in the game. Just thinking about kind of like, you know, um, the standardized uh, pay and, 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 and etc. I suppose what you're talking about is especially um, relates to the bigger companies or, or, or do I misinterpret? It's not just bigger companies because, and it might be that I'm, I'm mistaken here, but to my understanding, Finnish companies, the moment they hit 20 mm. employees, they need to actually sign the company up yeah. to a union. And that means you become part of collective bargaining agreements. And I am personally, fundamentally opposed to that structure. I if I think it is the government's job, any decent government's job, to set a minimum wage. 
irrespective of the industry, a minimum wage which allows people to have a decent sense of living in case they become unemployed, that should be completely ripped out of the union structure. It should be a national responsibility. Because this is one of the biggest frustrations and surprises many foreigners come into touch with, is that if you haven't signed up to a union and you haven't worked in a company for 10 months, all you get is whatever it is that you get in Finland if you become unemployed and are not unionized, which is what, five, 600 yep. euros a month? Well, good luck. You can't sustain a living on that in Helsinki, let alone in other parts of the country. So, so again, this is one of those things whereby a more holistic approach to rip that whole responsibility away from unions, just put that under a minimum wage decided or agreed upon by the government, which is irrespective of the sector. And gives everybody, foreigners included, a much more straightforward approach, which is when you're employed, a certain amount of money goes into the unemployment uh, registry. When you become unemployed, you get paid part of that money. Very simple. No collective bargaining because a company that has 20 people and let's say makes a 100,000 euro profit, one wrong hire, you're out. Collective bargaining doesn't take into account the specific nature of a company's challenges. That means sometimes you need to be able to lower salaries and not only up them. And again, there's no space for this in many of the agreements. It seems that salaries only, and this is just one element. But yeah. the, the, point, the point being is that um, whether it is conscious or unconscious, also if you look at the broader economical landscape in Finland, 98% of the Finnish companies, they are less than 50 people. 93% are less than 10 people. This is not economically sustainable. And is this because of a fear of unions? I don't know. I mean, I have taken a conscious decision that I will never employ more than 19 people in Finland until this whole labor market situation has changed. Because I am not going to have a union dictate me what I can do with my organization, to put it very black and white. That's that's what it is at the end of the day. Talking, yeah. And if, if they have skin, if they have skin in the game, it's a different story because then they're also liable, and then they could take into account the fact: okay, economical situations yeah. might change. When it goes well, up salaries. When it goes down, tune them down a bit. Both ways. Yeah, I suppose the the sort of the local bargaining which is kind of like uh, taking more and more place uh, over here kind of like is seen as a partial sort of um, answer to this but i suppose the the, the emphasis is on the word uh, partial but talking about what you just um, opened up uh, what do you think is uh, is the reality uh, for companies and and the key issues um, the heads of business or at bigger companies the head head of hhr to, to have uh, with the system in place? I think it's a lack of clarity on the different parties involved. I mean, if you're a line manager, all you want is somebody that can simply get the job done. If you're an HR, good HR, then you want to support your line managers in doing this. Um, and part of this is understanding okay what attracts people to your company pay pay is part of this um so this is already where again if unions set the tone for salaries it limits your company freedom Uh, at the same time and that's why i do advocate for a national minimum wage you also should not be able to exploit people because i think it was last week in Helsinki there was an article about the finnish startup scene where you see exactly the same happening as what was happening and is still happening in Silicon Valley. The founders grow rich and the uh, workers basically get ripped off. Um, Do unions have a place there? Yeah. But again, it has to be specific to a company and not specific to an industry because within an industry, you've got way too much space um, and way too little similarities in terms of Um, therefore being able to dictate this is what a sector should be paying. Um, HR should talk to unions, I think, as well. They should be best buddies. That's it. 
their 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 mutual interest should be the interest of the employee. Make sure that they can work in a safe environment with a good chance of career development, enough learning opportunities until their whatever pension age we set nowadays in Finland, 67 or 70, I guess nowadays. Um, and and stop focusing on that initial salary only. We pay four. No, you should pay 4.3. Who cares? It's like, what do you need to pay to get people to work for you? And how do you make sure that they can work for you as long as possible? It's an it's an interesting theme. Come, sort of um, rings a bell with my own experiences when it comes to working in IT recruitment, where the more and more common phenomenon is is to find uh, freelancing consultants and uh, mm-hmm. and i sort of of course there's that element of of the companies they want to make sure that uh, they have some additional resources that they can tap on and, and etc but uh, i think for a lot of uh, experienced uh, say software developers and such like uh, you know uh, that setting up your own OU and uh, and charging um, the consultant fees is 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 one of the rare viable uh, avenues to actually uh, start making exactly Bypass. because again it comes to these uh, salary levels and etc which aren't dictated you know uh, at le- at least to a, to a degree you know by these uh, uh, mm-hmm. agreements and etc and uh, and it, it it might be one of the themes that's uh, making Finland a little bit uh, more in the hard place when it comes to attracting software developers, for example. But you know, we don't have to focus on that theme. But you know, kind of like just made me made me think what you were saying. Yeah, but I think that's also a nice example because, like, if we talk about the, the so-called war on talent, which let's be honest has always been there. Um, Nowadays, because of technology, people can more or less work wherever they want to work. So why would they want to come to Finland? You're not coming to Finland for high salaries, you, um, because you can make you can make a lot more visually yeah. in the U.S. But again, this is where comparisons matter because. If you're a startup coder in Silicon Valley, you earn $120,000. So that's about 100,000 euros a year. But then you're considered poor because you pay 5,000 euros a month for a one-bedroom apartment. So also these equations and salary, just explain what people keep below the line. It makes it much more realistic. Attract people who are attracted by some things that Finland has had, still has, and hopefully will remain to have, which is a more leisurely place of life, pace of life. For whom is this important? Not for young people in general. They like the party. Well, yeah, Finland isn't necessarily, or Helsinki in in overall, you have better locations and cheaper places. But if you then talk about, okay, who would be attracted? Well, I would keep advocating attract people with families. Because in Finland, even when you're an executive level, assuming the English schooling uh, is extended a bit because there's not that many places available for people who only come here for five years. You can basically attract many more people that want to grow, but do it at a bit more reduced pace. And uh, this is another, I think, important reflection that Talent Boost and and all the other entities involved with internationalizing internationalizing Finland should, should understand. It's not an either-or equation. There is plenty of people who come to a country for a stint of three years, maybe five years. There is no sense in letting them learn a language that takes two years of full-time study equivalent to master, according to international benchmarks. Just just be much more um, focused on what actually is your target group what are the countries that you want to attract talent from you want software engineers well i think in india you've got about half a million software engineers graduating a year so maybe that makes sense and how do you do this increase bilateral ties so this much more strategic and focused reflection on where do we have gaps 
where do we find people that from a cultural perspective have the easiest way of integrating and basically therefore that's the path you can further develop instead of trying to be everything for everybody and 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 coming up with marketing slogans which are absolute nonsensical um like finland is a very competitive labor market i'm sorry it's not and then if we think about the labor markets within finland then you know i think already we can we can easily make 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 up a case that the Helsinki region is a bit of a world of its own in comparison to the rest of the country. And you know, the university cities and towns, to some extent, you know, they are the you know um, international foreign uh, researchers and, and and such like. But uh, but beyond the university, it tends to be that uh, the opportunities are, are are quite scarce. What do you think about this? pretty massive topic when you think about the internationals coming to Finland. I think there's, there's, again, if I look at it from a holistic point of view, um, I don't think it's necessarily linked only to universities. I mean, you've got companies like uh, cities like Uusikau Ponki, uh, what is it, Kristinastad, I think, uh, in Swedish. Uh, yeah, there's Uusikau Ponki, there's Hyvinka, I, I agree, yeah, it was a... There, there, there are quite a few examples whereby big employers can be quite attractive. And here again, internationalization can help because it seems that for a lot of Finns to pack their bags and move to another city, it's or out of the Kaux, basically, if you're from Helsinki or Kaux, mm-hmm. maybe if you're adventurous, uh, becomes, <laughs> becomes tricky. Meaning people will study for sure, but the moment again you get into that next stage of life for some, not everybody is having kids, but for some that do, then they want to go back to this support infrastructure that your parents can offer. Uh, foreigners don't have this, so they're much more free to move. Because whether I live in Uzikaupunki or in Oljeksa, I mean, my family isn't there. So internationalization there offers a chance. Um This is therefore also linked partially, I would say, again, to Finnish national culture uh, and the labor culture, which is not enough flexibility among employers. I mean, when you get to that stage in life when you, and again, I'll use the family as an example because it's an easy example. When you've got young kids, you need flexibility. And honestly, especially if you work behind a desk, meaning white-collar worker, it's just nonsensical to force people to work between nine and five. If a kid gets sick, who cares what people work? Just work from home. And if a kid is, needs some attention in the morning, fine, do some work in the evening uh, without, again, being afraid of getting sued for pushing people to work in the evening. This mentality, basically, would make a lot of companies capable of simply finding enough people. If they just stop thinking in the problems, not every job forces people to be on the ground. If you're lucky enough to have such a job, if you are being forced underground, again, that's where internationalization can help because foreigners, they don't have their parents around, their infrastructure around anyways. And again, this is putting a whole group of people into one box. But I I don't see necessarily why. Again, I, I like to think in opportunities. And I think here is that if people need jobs to be on site, If you can't get Finns or Finnish population to move city, um, then either see if you can virtualize the job, or then if not, that's where foreigners can help. Yeah, it's it's quite true. Just thinking about the numbers that Valmet Automotive was hiring um, the other year. Like a thousand, yeah, thousand and they ended up uh, hiring uh, pretty much uh, nearly two thousand in say uh, a span of two years, and and I think they had at that point had mostly Finnish um, you know operations, and they just realized that it's not it's not going to work. You know, it's they are not going to be uh, vacuuming or all the all the folks from other parts of country uh you know to come to you know uh, operate work in in finnish but they opened it open it up and you know when there's when there's a will there is a way and and it's to my kind of like uh, amazement sometimes I'm, i'm i'm sort of wondering um how how 
different the will is. There's a, I think there's a, you know, I think a lot of the companies, um, you know, seem to be quite happy, you know, with the way things are going. There's no need to grow, and uh, and or you know, it's a blunt statement, of course. But uh, you know, if you, if you go outside of the biggest cities, you know, kind of like you know, things are operating as 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 usual, and uh, and and people are accustomed to the way things are, and etc. And then all of a sudden, you know, op- opening up the hiring, for example, to to non non fluent Finnish speakers or Swedish, for that matter. Um, well, you know, it, it just seems sometimes uh, a bit of a bit of a challenge. I think that there's there's a couple of perspectives. I think one of those things is uh, when people say Finland is entrepreneurial, I often laugh. Because internationally speaking, you want entrepreneurialism, look at Nigeria, look at India. That's entrepreneurialism. Um, So it's also a bit of a get real reflection. Um, Another thing is, and and linked to this means that at some point when you're an entrepreneur and you employ a few people, at some point life is good. Why make it more difficult? If you get... Let's say 20 people, you make 2 million, you get 100,000, 200,000 profit, you pay yourself a nice dividend. Uh, why take more yeah. hassle? And and this is a cultural thing and there's nothing wrong or right about it. it. It is what it is. It is what people choose it to be. If you want to change that, then like one thing we did with the Filipino government who, who said that we want our population to become more entrepreneurial. It was okay. Let's reflect on which values we need yeah. to nudge using social policies to instill more entrepreneurialism. Finland had a nice example. Finland has always been a bit of a country of, of too much expertise obsession, meaning you had very educational change that instead of subject matter expertise, you go to a discussion flow, different angles on the same problem. This is modern life. This will change the Finnish culture with regards to the, 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 the box thinking, but it takes yeah. a decade or two. So if Finland really wants to become more entrepreneurial, then it needs to start changing the way it educates children. And not like in my case, I've got the teachers of my kids telling your kids take too much initiative. Like What? You want leaders? Leaders take initiative. But of course, I'm yeah, biased course. there as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this, 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 is, this is one perspective on, 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 on that entrepreneurialism. Um, the other thing is, is again, going back to the union yep. equation. Why would you want to take the hassle onto your neck of unionizing your company and then all of a sudden you lose all the freedom, which is one of the main reasons why people become yep. entrepreneurs. They like the freedom. They do not want to be controlled. That's an, that's an interesting point. Any elaboration on that? What's, 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 well, what's the main <laughs> headache of, of the companies when it comes to you know, these collective bargainings and the people side of operations if i reflect on discussions that i sometimes have with business leaders it's, it's basically their reflection literal wording of unions unions are stonewalling our operations i don't think it's a very healthy attitude to reflect on how can yeah. you work together the other way around, unions saying that all entrepreneurs, employers, by definition, are filthy capitalists yeah. who only care about their yeah. own pocket. Again, it doesn't help. As an entrepreneur, do you try to pay your people as much or little as you can get away with? Well, every entrepreneur needs to take that decision for themselves. If you find it easy to recruit people, then maybe you can pay people less. Maybe you have an employer brand or a learning opportunity that offers enough yeah. of an exchange. If not, then you need to up your salary. I mean, if you have a shitty company culture and uh, people don't necessarily want to work for you, you have no other choice but to raise the salaries because why else would people want to work for you? The, the point here is that, and, and this is maybe where I use my own example as well, what I mentioned earlier is that I will not grow my company beyond or our company beyond 19 people is because I do not want any outside entity other than the law dictating what I can do with our own organization. It's too much limitation. What I do want is a sparring partner. And that ideally should not be the union, but should be HR that reflects on what worries the employees. 
but also the other way around. What worries me as an employer, if I see that the economy is changing, I want to be able to have that open and frank discussion that, okay, shall we all cut our salaries 20% without having a union communist stand up and tell me, no, it must not be done. It's like, why not? So this is what I mean with that sense of control and being in it together, meaning when times go well, you can up the salaries, you can up the benefits, but when times go bad, instead of firing people, which causes a lot more social and and emotional harm, you should be able to come together and say, look, we need to cut our budget with X. How are we going to do this? Management included. Because, yes, it is also true that some companies, I don't find it ethical to fire 1,200 people if you just reported a 6 billion euro profit. That's just, then you don't take your ethical stance as a company. Yeah. So it has to go yeah, both ways. I see. And, and because of the current situation in, in legislation, there are the, you know, in case um, layoff negotiations taking place because of, of the time and et cetera, uh, you know, required. And what's, you know, what are the op- opportunities? You know, either, you know, you, you have people on, 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 an X amount of time without any work. And, uh, you know, that requires, you know, the, the very sort of a massive uh, tools to use, you know, when you. And, 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 and exactly. And I think these UTE or the, the restructuring negotiations, I don't think that that current process is ethical because you're causing emotional shit for a lot of people for a very yeah. long time. And who's the union to say who you as an employer can decide to fire? They don't know the people. They don't know the influence these people have on the rest of the team. The, biz, the business, uh, and this and is et cetera. <laughs> the, exactly. So the, I don't believe that 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 the whole model works. And I mean, you can always get creative. I think Helsinki University found a creative way around the Ute by firing everybody because then you don't yeah. need to do it Ute. <laughs> Um, and then rehire people on newly worded positions. I mean, it's just a facade. Yeah. It and, and, and this all to please a process with a stakeholder that doesn't have skin in the game. Let's run a scenario. You have the wisdom you currently have, and you can change one thing to make it easier for the newcomers to settle in the country. And uh, and make it over here, just by waving a magic wand. What's the one thing? Given that my kids just went to Harry Potter camp, we're all in the wand mode. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about language. We've been talking about uh, pay. We've been to- we've been talking about uh, the role of unions, um, and 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 etc. I think a lot of the things that, that we were discussed and a lot of the things I hold strong opinions about are basically yeah. systemic um, issues. Um, I think the one thing that could benefit everybody is to actually get the foreigners that it concerns involved in discussions, like we're basically having yeah. this interview. Um, and foreigners for me also include Finns that have came back because they see exactly to maybe a slightly lesser degree, but sometimes even higher degree, the same challenges, because it seems that the popular held belief is that if you're a Finn and you studied abroad, then you're not good enough for the Finnish system, uh, which also works against people. So <laughs> this, this perspective of actually involving people who live the pain and whom it concerns to reflect. And this does not mean one immigrant. I cannot speak for the experiences of people that are, for example, unlike me, um, of a different uh, ethnicity. Uh, Because the experience, and this is where culture, again, can give a lot of clues. Me being Dutch, by definition, stereotyping, meaning I'm cocky, arrogant, and I will find my way leads to a very different experience than if I come from a society where I expect the power holders, meaning government, to take care of me, to expect people to find their own way from anybody that comes from a hierarchical or collectivist culture. is nonsensical. 
So if there's anything that I wish with that magic wand is in these many discussions that are taking place, actually get the people whom it concerns predominantly to be an active participant um, and part of those many good initiatives that are taking place. That, that is basically all. And, and the reason for this is that only then can you get a much more holistic perspective because it's not about EK, have, the Federation of Industries, having their own foreign talent discussions or the Chamber of Commerce having their own talent discussions or Talent Boost having their own discussions. I, for example, do not see active enough participation of the unions. It is also in their interest to increase their membership base. That's true. And on the other on the other hand, then you know the lack of say internationals uh, being heard or, or such like uh, you know at their collective bargaining. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, it's it's of course like societies make their own choices, um, but this is where I do feel that the Finnish political system does not take its ownership. It's running away from its responsibilities. Um, and um, okay, Finland has now made a surprisingly long-term commitment, meaning 10 years, to become uh, CO2 neutral. The same should happen for, for employment-related questions. If Finland really wants to up its current populational employment rate, which is, what, 72%, and you want to get it at a level of, let's say, the Netherlands or Sweden or even the US, which I think are all quite a lot higher, high 70s or maybe low 80s, then it means you need to become much more flexible in your labor market. And it doesn't need to be the, the and I'll put this very bluntly, the abusive system of the US, whereby you've got your healthcare dependent yeah. on employer. That that just creates total uh, chaos and anxiety emotionally. But again, that's the US choice. Uh, it can be in, in the way of the Nordic welfare state system, which is, for example, Denmark, just around the corner and their flexible approach to labor markets. Um meaning that Finland does not need to go non-native in the sense of non-Nordic, uh, but it definitely needs to increase its flexibility. And that means in having active discussions with all stakeholders and the government pushing it. Because in the end, it is the government's responsibility, in my humble opinion, to make sure that people are employed and pay taxes and don't sit lingering on the couch either because they're too lazy to work or because they are not given an opportunity to work part-time, which again is a particular Finnish labor market issue. There's plenty of people that want to work, but companies don't hire part-timers. I love part-timers um, because sometimes you don't have enough job for a full-timer. And two, and two part-timers is much more risk averse or much more risk sustainable because if one drops six, the other can maybe step it up for a while. I, I, I completely see this, this flexibility mentality missing. What you say, it sort of makes me wonder if we are still a few years short of making making the actual difference here. Um, of course, you know, I don't know, feeling, feeling sorry about the situation, uh, you know, doesn't take us very very far uh, but uh... I mean it has it has improved dramatically I mean uh, I came to Finland in 2006 is when I moved here and if I look at how for example this discussions the discussions that we're having nowadays the, the great work that Talent Boost does in, in raising more awareness um, it's come a long way um, will it be solved within now in the coming three years? No. Um, will it be solved within now in a decade? Well, I hope so. That's when my kids start hitting the labor market and with my foreign name and public personality of <laughs> having so much wisdom, I might be doing them a disservice by calling Finnish unions and Finnish HR not up to their par. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I mean, it's, it's it, these things, they take a generation. And we should also not forget that unlike the Netherlands, uh, thanks to its, depending on the perspective you take, entrepreneurial or exploitative uh, colonialist past, again, yeah, different yeah. perspectives. Um, we've been working with international collaboration for the last 500 years. Finland has only been doing this since the early yeah. 90s. 
So it, 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 it's, it's not even been, well, technically now it has been a yeah. generation. It, it might take another generation. Um, so definitely keeping up the discussion, doing small trials with, for example, uh, more local, uh, less collective bargaining, getting unions to get skin in the game, getting HR to stop thinking in problems and legal compliance not that they should break yeah. laws, but think a bit more creatively about it um, in terms of how to go about part-time work, flexible work arrangements. It, it, it starts with people trying yeah, things out. That's it. I, I personally experienced a bit of a re- revelation last New Year when I was running a student challenge at uh, Imatra. Um, basically, what we did, we asked students at Finnish universities to propose how to maintain Imatra viable and keep keep going uh, well in, in 2030 because currently they're losing whatever um, they're now 26,000 they used to be 38,000 40 years ago and you know it's something 300 400 people going down every year because of you know gray population and and and, and, and then neutral kind of like movement um, you know, and, and out of the f- about 40 solutions, uh, what were proposed by the students uh, from Finnish universities, about 30 to 35 were from internationals and international teams, you know, at Finnish universities. Um, you know, it's it's just a kind of like remarkable highlight uh, for myself that, you know, where does the sort of, uh, uh, sort of the answer to the many then, you know, quieter parts of the country come from? If the districts are, are open to and etc. And and then you know Imatra, for example, is a border town um, or, or a very small city, you know, by the standards of the word city, um, next to Russia, and uh, you know, in a sense, very traditional at the you know local values. And uh, you know, you go speak English uh, in a shop, and, and heads start turning and etc. Yes. Uh, but then you know, thinking about the internationals, you know, very happy studying here, contribute, get a job and etc. But they are very hard again because the linguistic issues is especially hard to land a role and etc. Um, well, you know, tapping on your wisdom again, kind of like, but you know, what's your kind of like perspective on these sort of uh, uh, quieter regions of of, of the country? Well, I think if you're traditionally not from Imatra or Aumaliexa, irrespective of whether you're a foreigner or a Finn, it might actually be better to be a foreigner because you don't get the Helsinki stamp on top of you. <laughs> it's like the Kaupunki Poiko. Um, and I think that it might even be in a lot of the more regional parts of the country that people respect when you show yeah. what you can do. But in order to get that done, I think, again, coming back to the government, um, give an entrepreneur money, very bluntly, here's 10,000 euros, employ that foreigner for half a year. In that half a year, they've got to prove themselves. They need to show a certain sense of commitment. This might be different from one company to the next, um, it also requires inside an organization a structure that, okay, who's going to be mentoring this person? And it could be an old person who likes to learn something new and isn't, isn't pushed aside because of their age. Um, and just basically say you've got half a year or maybe one year to give it a bit more time that you must basically reach these particular milestones. And that means that um, after half a year, you need to be able to speak Akuankakieli. Uh, yeah. Donald Duck finish um, or somewhat in that direction. After one year, you need to reach level whatever, level two or whatever level you set. The person has to commit. That means they might get paid less. And again, this is where collective bargaining needs to be yeah, made flexible. Um, the company needs to make a commitment by creating that job and offering somebody to mentor. That's why the company should get paid by the government in order to offset labor time invested uh, and less initial productivity I don't think unions are going to pay the salary I don't think an employee I don't think an employee should work for nothing Um, but everybody makes an investment if I look back the first two years that I worked part-time I literally by working part-time invested 30,000 euros learning the language because I didn't work full-time 
has that paid back? Yes, because over the past 16 years that I've lived here or 15 years, I think I've paid easily half a million euro on income tax alone. Easy equation. It is. Yeah, it's all interlinked if, we, if you think about it. It is like, like, I think like sometimes what happens, and, and this is a particular, uh, I guess, characteristic on my side, I'm rather yeah. numbers driven. Just make this, make the simple calculation, pay somebody 1500 euros a month for one year or whatever is relevant for a particular industry. If you want to follow union guidelines, tell them you work three days a month or yeah. the three days a week. So you get paid yeah. X. Two days you have to go full time, meaning not eight, but six hours, because after six hours you stop learning. You have to go to Finnish language class. Get that sorted for people that are in such a similar scheme in a particular region, also for peer to peer learning pressure, etc. Pay the employer X amount to offset the time invested. Give people a year after a year, if they've passed the language and get to that level where they become more and more fluent, pay them exactly the same as the others. If you want to follow that principle, because they've proven themselves, because Finnish entrepreneurs are, and it's understandable, they're risk averse. They don't know where that, they, they might not even know the country. If somebody comes from Sudan, if somebody is a, does metal work in Lieksa, they might have never heard of Sudan. But what they do appreciate, and that is also the beauty of the Finnish culture, is prove yourself. If you've got... What is it called in Finnish? Homo uh, you've got You've got the thing under your fingers. You're appreciated. Race doesn't matter at that point anymore. But that risk yeah. threshold needs to be yeah. overcome. Very, very, very essential talk here. Uh, very happy to do a bit of organic marketing for this piece uh, myself. And, uh, and I think we've 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 got one one optional title for this for this session from from the 10k or 15k and yada 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 you know we'll see we'll see how it uh, cooks up and uh, i think you know we, what we're talking about here is 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 a bit of an actual uh, recipe or you know recipe option at least for finnish towns that mm -hmm. are struggling with the population numbers at, at least you know uh, a partial solution and uh, and really kind of like starting to make a difference and uh, and and and, and etc um thinking about you know the local towns you know outside of the university cities you know they are key to to the success of finland in the 2030s um is there anything other that you would pinpoint with regards to this topic I mean, they can't market about natural beauty because Finland is naturally beautiful. So <laughs> that's the same everywhere. Um, they can compete with municipal taxes. Yeah. They can. Like, the, 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 the reality is that even in Helsinki, you don't really have a lot of traffic. So either you spend 25 minutes or half an hour on your way to work or 15 minutes, it's still nothing yeah. compared to what you normally have. In, in even like in the Netherlands, the average commute is like, for a lot of people, yeah, one hour. It. Um, it's, so also there, I would say that what local municipalities might want to practice with is this sense of give somebody the opportunity, like you see at Tala Pohdan Tahti Alle, to, um, under the Northern Star, to, how do you call it in English, to drain their own marsh, to basically build their own land, give them that opportunity, guide them in that um, actively, especially if they come from non-Western cultures, because they need yeah. that hand to show them the way. Sponsor that risk from a governmental perspective because it will pay back in the long run. Think about people that want to live here for five years or for their whole life. I mean, I'm, I'm here to stay. Uh, and like me, there are many others. So think about the income taxes, the uh, value-added tax that people are going to pay if they have an average job. Calculate that back. Put a budget aside. And again, it's a, it's simply an economical equation because when somebody comes here when they're 25 or 30, you did not have to pay the 100,000 euros it costs to educate somebody to a university-level degree, let alone functional degrees, which might be even more expensive if you need to use actual equipment yeah. other than books. So personality, guidance, yeah. empathy, um, 
and you don't need a lot of public sector employees to do this. Just take it as, for example, if you get into debt release, you've got a case manager. A case manager has 10, 20, 30 people, um, and they help people out of the shit. And that's the same with people that come into the country. You can help them build a living, but it takes that active guidance. Very good. It's been a, a, a true pleasure to talk with you, as always. Anything that should be added before we finish up the talk on, on very many different topics? We've, we've made the country a lot better place after this. <laughs> Well, at least talking might might help to to let people think a little bit outside That's of the it. box if they choose not if they choose not to be offended by some of the stronger words that I use. And again, that's a decision they have to make. Um, no, no, I, th I think this is basically, if any advice, just play the numbers game, uh, and people will become much more aware. And, and even the most staunch opposers to foreign immigrations, even if you ask, uh, just to highlight the Perasoltes, they're often in the news, the Perasomalize, that even they will not oppose the foreigners paying tax. That would simply be stupid. Um, so also there, this inclusive nature, if people are against foreigners, ask them the question, why? If people are against foreigners working ask them the question or give them the question would you rather pay them unemployment money that's it and 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 on these statements regarding like foreigners come here to to take our jobs take our welfare money it's like you don't get welfare money if you have a job so that doesn't make any sense and take our women well on that note i must plead guilty <laughs> uh, as i'm married to a wonderful finnish woman uh, <laughs> just have that rational reflection because in a lot of cases, we are opposed to people that we don't know because we've never met people. We've never worked with people on an individual level. And familiarity breeds yeah. trust. And trust is what is needed. Like Finland is one of the highest ranking trust countries when it goes to trust in other Finns. And like foreigners, whether we are or taken Finnish nationality or not, if we're here to pay tax money, then... In that sense, I do think it is only ethical to give people the chance. Very good. Let's give people the chance. Many thanks. More than welcome. Pleasure as always.